Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast. That's not doing anyone ever any favours to say that men are not capable of understanding whether or not they are doing something wrong. Yeah, we put men into um, leadership positions how many more times than we put women into them. And exactly. then we also undermine their capacity to understand whether someone's consenting. Welcome back to the Weekly Cheek Podcast. In this episode, we give a couple of updates as to what has happened in Parliament in the wake of the sexual assault scandals. We also talk about accountability and why people are so scared of terms like racist or sexist when their actions are that. We reflect on the difference in consent and sex education for men and women at school and the ongoing fact that men don't have to be accountable for their actions, but women do always. This episode does contain some talk of sexual violence, so if that's not something you'd like to hear, definitely skip this episode. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy. So um, Christina Keneally um, appeared on Insiders, so it's like an ABC interview show hosted by David Spears, mm-hmm. and he, uh, she essentially spoke about... There's a number of things. I honestly think she really went in for both Linda Reynolds and Scott Morrison, um, what she said about oh, and Christian Porter. What she said about Linda Reynolds is she should resign over mm-hmm. her commentary um, surrounding the rape allegation and the lion cow and all that stuff, which I absolutely agree with. Yeah, just totally inappropriate, and you cannot be talk- talking that way about staffers who've you know come to you with a workplace concern. Yeah, and saying that to other staff members looks fucking disgusting. Um, and then she also kind of went in saying the PM needs to... I think she was for the independent inquiry. And something she said was like, Christian Porter's going to return to his duties on the 31st of March as Attorney General. Um, but he's going to delegate um, a number of roles that he takes on as the Attorney General under that um, job. Um, because he it's a conflict of interest based on part of his work. And that he's currently suing both Louise Milligan and... Um, the ABC for the... I don't think it was the Four Corners episode. I think it was a random article. Yeah, I think there was talk about something written. Yeah. yeah, And her tweets. Yes. And the ABC's tweets. Yeah, so that's so Louise Mulligan is the host of Four Corners. Is she the host? Is that what you call it? She, she's the lead journalist in yeah. Four, for Four Corners. Yeah. Or at least for the episode that it was related to Christian Porter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's beginning a defamation suit against them. Mm-hmm. And he can't operate part of his duties which need to be delegated. Um, but he's not taking any salary cut, blah, blah. Obviously, like, the sort of headline is, you know, part-time duties, full-time salary. I guess it's not really part-time duties, but it is delegation elsewhere whilst mm-hmm. maintaining um, yeah. your full salary, which is, like, something like 357 or $62,000 a year mm-hmm. on a base salary of, I think, 207000 plus, like, 75% loading, you know, for their mm. travel and blah, blah, blah. I don't really know how it works, but... Yeah, that you usually have a salary and then you have, like, a extras budget, mm. which, and usually you will access that whole budget for yeah, the year. Yeah. I mean, that's fair enough, I guess. Um, in terms of, I'm not disputing the salaries they receive, I think. But I think in this situation, he shouldn't be... I mean, I don't believe he should be stepping back into the position at all. No. But in terms of, I understand. I think the, the point was made that, you know, last week the government announced that um, victims of domestic violence could now... Um, access part of their super. Yeah. Um, they could take up to ten thousand dollars out of the super, and as we know, women often um, have you know, retire with anyway. like fifty percent of the super that men do. So yeah. It's a like that. I think it's fifty percent. And you know, it's funny that the attorney general can kind of flitter off for mental health leave and come back mm-hmm. and don't doesn't have to perform all of his duties because of a conflict of interest of his own lawsuit. Um, and that simultaneously, we're allowing 
you know, women can't access these sort of, you know, mm. perks of yeah. the role and, you know, come and go as they please. And instead we're asking them to dip into their retirement savings yeah. in order to lodge, you know, their own court proceedings. Yeah. So it's just an irony, a great irony in the news at the moment of the way that, you know, women are being treated. And mm-hmm. it's just um, absolutely exploded with these sort of continuous, just ignorant stances, um, policies. And it, honestly, I'm just exhausted, I think. Well, was the- and on the super, like the whole kind of point of super is basically that the government is going to help you look after yourself for the future because, I mean, from my understanding, it's kind of like, well, you can't do it yourself, so mm. we're going to help you. But then now people were dipping into it through COVID and mm. now again for um, DV services. And I know a lot of people, a lot of commentary about the COVID stuff anyway, when, when you could dip it into it for COVID, there were people who were just like, oh yes, I'm going to take advantage. Like how, how cool is this? But what you're losing in you. Exactly. Like you pull out 10 K. So I'm 27. Say I pulled out 10 K now, which is basically half of my super, which is ridiculous. But anyway, um, that is not going to be 10 K when I retire, Mm, that's going to be exactly. So it's really like a lost you're losing that opportunity. And I think it's very responsible of the government to allow. Because the people that it impacts are one, people that are earning less anyway, mm-hmm. and two, people that are less financially literate. Yeah, exactly. So the people that think, oh, that's an easy, you know, get rich quick scheme in, in a sense, like I'm going to mm-hmm. pull this out and pay this loan off. It's not, I think that there wasn't enough um, sort of barriers to like, well, we're only allowing people that desperately need it to access it. But yeah. at the same time, that's not the right thing anyway. Well, those are the people who are going to desperately need it. Exactly. But then they were like, on. some people were just pulling it out to pay off a loan that they were like, oh, I could just pay off Carl and that would be really helpful. Yeah, exactly. And I understand that it is helpful in the immediate future, but in terms of like the people that I think the people that it will hurt most, are the people that need that money most. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically, uh, to me, it's just a bit sneaky of the government to be like, well, we're going to allow you to do this without actually mm. communicating the risks that that would exactly like the risk that you incur- would incur from pulling that money out. Yeah. It's so it's like, how about you like inject some money into DV resources instead of being like, it's your problem now. Yeah, exactly. We're going to allow you to access your money. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's just such a like tick. It's like, we have helped DV victims tick. I know. We're going to help next. But it's so shallow too. Like, um, it, I mean, I think the things that have been thrown around in the media for the past few weeks are just, um, such evidence of like this lack of critical thought surrounding the deeper meaning of all these policies. Like even the New South Wales Police Commission with the Consent app. Mm. Like I think that for you know the first five minutes, someone might read that and be like, huh, you know, an app to combat, you know, and it's like when you think about it, have just an one percent of critical thought mm-hmm. added to that idea. Yeah. Like when he said that, what depth of thought was there around that? Yeah. Because honestly he's been fucking steamrolled following Mm -hmm. that comment good for good reason yeah but it's like the people that are in these top jobs just coming out and saying things like that and honestly my concern is i'm like okay you are incredibly dim-witted to come up with that (laughs) idea in the first place why are you in that job yeah that's my thing is i'm like like honestly I get that there's fundamental issues here with the way these people believe that our society should function and the policies they're putting into place and the suggestions they're making but to me i'm like what people can reach these heights yeah in terms of top jobs like that is disturbing to me I, yeah oh god they're supposed to be representing us to be and like right. protecting us i as just well. don't understand where the critical insight is i just it just it hurts my soul yeah and then there are so many issues with 
with a consent app. Um, and I think that they can mostly be kind of summed up in the fact that I truly believe, and I, there's a lot of commentary, this might be a little bit controversial, but there's a lot of commentary when, um, whenever something happens, there's a lot of these like things that come out on social media, online, in the media generally, that's like, these are the, you know, 10 things that women can do to protect themselves. Mm. And it's things like, don't put your hair in a ponytail, um, have your phone yeah. out, you know, have put like a taser on your keys, all of this stuff. Yeah. And that's illegal by the way, but well, <laughs> anyway um i think amazon actually sells them yeah. yeah i think it's legal in the u.s but yeah you can like here. get it shipped here not that i would ever do that um and so and then there's like and then the reaction to that of course is like well why do we have to why is it our problem yeah um and i used to think when i was a bit younger i was just like that's not my problem i can do whatever i want i'm gonna walk alone at night if i want to and i did now looking back at that I'm just like, mm, shouldn't have done that. Don't really do that now because even though it's not my problem, I would prefer to be safe and take the responsibility on my own, which is not fair. But I think that it's like, for me, I'm like, well, unfortunately the world we live in, I'm just going to have to do that. You're resigned to the fact. Exactly. Resigned to the fact. And then when stuff like that comes out, people kind of push back and they say, how about we just teach men not to rape people? Um, and I actually don't believe that... I understand where they're coming from, but I don't believe that it's an education issue all the time. Like, I don't believe that, for, particularly for rape cases yeah, um, and like severe sexual assault. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's okay to be lightly sexually assaulted, but I believe that men who rape women and who do these horrible violent things to women they know that it's wrong they know that they shouldn't be doing it it's either because they want the power or they have some kind of like fucked up fantasy that they're going to you know like fulfill with by mm. like asserting power over a woman i don't believe that there are many instances where the man honestly seriously does not know he's doing something wrong i think that it is Okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think that the thing for me is is that most sexual assaults and instances of sexual violence, whether that be rape, touching, harassment, I think are not the situations that we're picturing. Mm -hmm. When we talk about things like don't put your fucking hair in a ponytail, those are the things where I agree with you. Mm -hmm. They are out to do it. Yeah. It's like when you're running at home, like when you're running at night or when you're running alone with your earphones in and they mm -hmm. say like, don't have your earphones in. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't run without music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those things like, it pisses me off because yeah. I'm like, well, why is the onus on me to exactly. not enjoy parts of my lifestyle because of yeah. my safety, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in those instances, I think you're right. Like, no matter what, if that, you know, because those rapists are not as common. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's categories of rapists. Mm -hmm. Because when we think about it, what we're um, sort of neglecting is the majority of acts and instances of sexual violence don't happen in those contexts. Yeah. The majority of these instances, and I think everyone has a story, and this is where, you know, like everyone has a friend that this happened to or it happened to them, mm -hmm. is we went to a party, I got, you know, like, I got too drunk mm. when I woke up I knew that the guy had like yeah he knew what he'd done and yeah. they, they still know it's wrong but it's it's the context it's like me carrying my keys or mm. wearing my hair a certain way wasn't gonna make the difference but then in that instance it would be like well you shouldn't get too drunk at parties exactly that's fucked yeah but I think that again I don't think that owner should be on someone no it shouldn't be but I think that just like this whole like 
rhetoric around let's just teach men not to rape women I think is so flawed because they they know what they're doing Yes. Like, it's not like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that, sh- that no meant no. I think it's not, I think when people say it's an education issue, I think it's a, I think what, when I think of that, I don't think, oh, we need to sit down and have further, I think we should have further consent classes. I don't mm. think that stuff is good enough. I don't think, I think it's glazed over. And I think one of the big, big issues mm-hmm. is that when these people come to school and give talks, they give it to the girls, not the boys. Yeah. I find that's a fucking massive problem. Mm-hmm. Like people come, like they have survivors come and talk about their experiences and what we should be doing and, you know, safety and all these things. And they, they take the boys out for a different class. Yeah. They completely miss it. Yeah. That has happened so often. Mm-hmm. I remember um, at my school when I was in year 10, we had this guy who was an ex-cop come to the school. And honestly, it was what I thought at the time that it was one of the best, like, training educational sessions we had Mm -hmm. the girls did a full day on the thursday with like two other schools or in the one and then the boys did a half day on the friday the girls full day was like the morning was um talking about you know like for example he said don't install a security system in your home buy a pair of size men's 15 runners and put them outside your door with like socks hanging out so that they think there's like a large man that lives in the house Mm -hmm. and then he was like if someone's chasing you ever like blah blah blah, scream a man's name like Uh, run towards a house and scream dad or scream alex or scream sam yeah um just do like even if you're nowhere near your house just Mm -hmm. run towards the door and scream a man's name and things like that he was like it, it was honestly those are practical tips yeah this guy is an ex-cop he's a father like i don't think it's the right information i don't think it's the right message to be spreading but in terms of like things i needed to know i did need to know those things yeah and i I i've carried that information with me for a long time now yeah the next day i actually find this valuable it's one of my schools one of the few that does this and they do it every year still the next day the boys went and i afterwards i was immediately like to my boyfriend at the time like what did he say Mm -hmm. and he said it was actually all about like do not do this do not it was actually a consent talk it was actually like you never take advantage of a girl when she's drunk you never Mm. and it was actually just laying into and like one of the guys was like you know what about you know what what about us getting raped he was like that's not what we're here to talk about because (laughs) that's not the primary issue for you Mm -hmm. and as much as i'm like no if this happens to men Mm -hmm. i agree with that it's not about you know when i get raped yeah it's actually about what the message that needs to be sent and and this this talk was given to, um, we were both private schools mm-hmm. or Catholic and a private school. Yeah. Important. Yeah. And surprisingly so, because I think in our PE classes, it was a huge fucking letdown. Like my teacher was so uncomfortable. I remember in like year nine and 10 when they gave like talks on like abstinence and, mm-hmm. um, you know, different forms of contraception. It was absolutely useless. It was like a mix and match, like match the word to the definition. It was so bad. So the fact that they let us do like those training sessions, as much as the boys should have been just as long as the girls, and they yeah. probably should have attended both. Because yeah. I remember the middle portion of the day that we went to. Sorry, I'm going on about this. I didn't even think I was going to talk about this. The middle portion of the day was a lot about um, legislation and like mm-hmm. what constitutes, and I think this is hugely important in New South Wales, what constitutes sexual assault, what constitutes um, porn images, mm-hmm. all the legislation around that stuff. And he said that um, he does like hundreds of talks a year and he goes to every university a week mm-hmm. and does talks. And he said that um, a couple of years before, I still remember this, he had a um, like a fresher in uni come up to him after the talk and said i was raped last night i didn't know until you spoke shit because she didn't know that legislation said that yeah. if she was fingered non-consensually that constitutes rape 
Mm-hmm. So she didn't even think she had a case to be heard. Yeah, right. And I think that education is important because I think that when we look at stats, my major concern as someone who has a law degree is I don't think people even know what constitutes rape in each state. No. What it's called, what it is, what the jurisdiction is, what they can claim, what actions they can take. Mm-hmm. I think a, l- a lot of the education issue is like, do men understand that, you know, forcing a woman to perform oral sex is rape? Yeah. Like, you know, if you were to stick a sexual object or a phallic object inside someone, that's rape. It doesn't have to be penis in vagina to mm-hmm. be those meet those criteria. Yeah. I think a lot of it is an education issue in terms of, like, people don't know what's happened to them. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to identify it. They don't know how to know. Like, and I'm not saying that men don't know it's wrong. I think they do. Mm-hmm. I definitely think they do. I think that men will be like, she was too drunk. But they yeah. will go ahead with it. I think in a lot of circumstances, and obviously there is a spectrum of, like, I think they're all guilty, mm-hmm. but I think there's a difference between someone who goes out and like rapes and you know kidnaps and rapes or a like jogger on the street. Someone, yeah, and I think that it's the, like an opportunist versus. And, and we know that the majority of sexual assaults occur to people from some like it's someone that they know, yeah, and it's in an environment that they would usually feel comfortable, like a house mm-hmm. party or something, yeah. Because it's not about them not knowing it's wrong, but I think that they think the lines are blurred, and that. Relieve, that allows them to alleviate their own guilt in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah. And it's because it's like less aggressive. It's like a mitigated circumstance for them to like on their own conscience, mm-hmm. get off. Yeah. And I, that's what I hate mm-hmm. because I think it's just as bad and it's just as traumatizing for the woman. But in terms of how we hold men accountable, it's like, those are the things we need to stop because I think they can grow into worse behavior as well. Yeah. I, well, a family member said to me the other day uh, when, you know, all of this stuff is, is like front and center at the moment. She was like, She's like, my take is that when young people particularly go out drinking and get drunk, it's a woman still has to be responsible for herself and her actions and be held completely accountable. Um, men can do whatever the fuck they want and, and they don't have to be held accountable. But then women are also held accountable for the men's. Yes. So they're responsible for themselves and the men that they're with. And that's the thing is that, like, I love how um, commentary surrounding... Um, rapes that occur and sexual violence that occurs when people are intoxicated becomes, well, you shouldn't have been intoxicated. Yeah. And it's like, you never say that to the guy when he rapes someone. No, exactly. It's never like, well, you shouldn't have been intoxicated because then you could have got a consent properly. Yeah. It's, why was the chick? Yeah. Why was the victim, why was the survivor mm-hmm. drunk? Yeah. And, and as if, because the thing is, is that the law doesn't let you off for being intoxicated. No. If you're, it doesn't, it doesn't impact your voluntariness in terms of like the criminal liability or mm-hmm. the criminal action. Like you can't say I was intoxicated, therefore I didn't know what I was doing and alleviate your own guilt in that yeah. way. Yeah. So why is it that when we have a survivor go to court or try to make a police claim that the public wants to say, well, well, that's what happens when you have three shots. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, the thing is, is that you still know what happened. You mm. still know it was wrong. Everyone knows it's wrong. Yeah. But it's sort of our way of letting men retain their potential. Yeah, exactly. It's just the boys will be boys yeah. mentality. Um, and yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about this. It's like, and I think the argument is like, well, you know, particularly if like a man does something that's in quotes, not that bad, mm-hmm. um, or is like potentially falsely accused, this kind of, this argument comes into play and it's like, well, do you think, do, do they deserve to have their whole life ruined because they did something that's a bit iffy? Yeah. Um, and to that, I would say their life is not ruined. Like that is actually such a bullshit argument. It and is. I used to have a bit more patience for it, but now I'm just like, no, like, 
Donald Trump, hello, he yeah. was he did that stuff and then he got elected to the most powerful position in the world, arguably. No, absolutely. And and this is my concern is like I think what it comes back to for me is I think like women's lives are ruined by a statement they made on Facebook three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like someone can tweet something in 2010 that comes out and they're fucking cancelled. Yeah. Like the way that our lives are ruined and the way that like the media builds women up to then just destroy them in the same capacity. Think about Meghan Markle. What the fuck did she do? Yeah, exactly. Like I think about the way that like what a woman has to do to have her life ruined versus Mm -hmm. a man rapes a woman. It's like we don't want to ruin his life. Yeah, exactly. And I think why not? Yeah. He's ruined someone else's. And that's... Obviously I'm not saying eye for an eye in that sort of way but you know what i mean like i think the thing for me is especially in this christian porter argument is like no matter what like why i think the standard that's been communicated to us is why would anyone want to report what's happened to them when a woman who has literally died is being spoken about in the way that she is exactly exactly and that's yeah but also i think that what it speaks volumes about um how little men have an understanding of what it is like to be traumatized by an event like this because a lot of the commentary that i've seen is surrounding like so the woman the survivor oh, she's not a survivor is she? i know yeah the woman who alleged that christian porter had raped her in 1988 had a lot of diary entries and letters that were sent that um established that they had dinner in 1994 so mm-hmm. six years after the event mm-hmm. the alleged event of the rape and so many people came out and were like, I, and Andrew Bolt's article was based around the fact that um, he said, why would someone have dinner with their rapist six years later? Most, uh, most people know their rapist. Yeah. Most people know their rapist. Exactly. Most people, like, and I think about this a lot having worked in public prosecutions. So many of these cases that um, would come through are family members. Mm. And these people are forced yeah. to relive those experiences by living with the person that does it to them repeatedly yeah. for years on end. Mm-hmm. Because once again, it comes back to this mental effort and expectation and action from women that we're supposed to tolerate yeah. and just like bury every emotion mm-hmm. and grievance that we have with things that have happened to us yeah. and just move through the world with that. And there's a whole thing about like, and this is going around a lot on social media at the moment. It's like every man, every like in quotes, good guy that, you know, swears that he doesn't have any friends who would ever do something like that. And they do. I'm sorry. You either don't know it or you're ignorant to it. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the things that came up. Like, um, there was a male in my partner's friend group who would repeatedly like even the, the girlfriends in the group, like Mm -hmm. he would like touch their asses and like the women would always turn around and be like fuck off Mm -hmm. right but to the guys i would i would constantly vocalize like i think you need to be rid of him yeah (laughs) and they were like we're too we're too placid to like do that to someone Mm. and i was like well when he sexually assaults someone in three years and he's arrested Mm -hmm. and they turn around and ask you for a character reference will you be able to say that you didn't see this coming yeah and they were like no we actually expect that it's already happened and i'm like well then how can you possibly morally stand by the fact that you invite this person to parties? Yeah. Like you are facilitating. Yeah. By, by, by being silent, you are actually facilitating mm-hmm. more than a bystander. Yeah. You are facilitating these situations by going to clubs with mm-hmm. him, attending venues with him. Cause you're not going to protect some women. You're not, no. if you can't stand up to him verbally, how are you going to protect someone when it actually becomes a situation? Yeah. And the reason that they finally ended the friendship with him, which saddens me every single day of my life, is that he spiked one of the guys in the group. Seriously? Yeah. 
Accidentally? No, on purpose. He spiked him and this person doesn't drink. Oh he my god. spiked him with like a, it wasn't um, roofies, it was um, an MDMA tablet. And he spiked this person and the whole group turned around and unfriended him. And I fully support that they did that because it's a horrible, horrible thing to do to someone. But, but why like is it when it happened to, to a man? man? Yeah. And I, I'm, if you're listening to this, please message me about it because I'm happy to have a chat. But that is just the most ridiculous thing because everyone in the group then took like a staunch stance to like not have this person be present anymore. Right. And I'm like, why was it when it happened to the man? Mm. Why? Would you, like That's like when men, there's lots of men who just chime into the sexual assault conversation when they're like, well, men get raped too. Mm-hmm. Whereas I actually read this on Instagram the other day and I was like, that's so true. When we have, you know, like Movember and when we talk about men's mental health, which mm-hmm. is a big problem, particularly in Australia and like um, suicide is a big, like the, the number one killer in men mm. of a certain demographic. There's no women who come forward and be like, what about women's mental health? No one. We just go, where do we donate? Yeah, exactly. What, what, what like button do we click? Yes, exactly. But also, it's the only thing that men post about, too. Like, mm. how many guys... I remember, like, a few years ago, every November, guys would, like, post, like, you know, men's mental health, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I've never seen them. I've Most of those guys, I've never seen post about a cause other than a man's mental health cause. Yeah, or, exactly. Like, all those challenges and shit. It's, like, literally only guys did that. Yeah. I think it's... um, And I've actually had a few conversations... How do I put this in a way that I want broadcasted? Yeah, no, I'm really worried about because I this is how I feel about all of this. I'm just so resigned to these facts. Yeah. Um, and in speaking, we're reporting this on a Sunday, like a few days before it'll be posted. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, we're really excited because there's going to be a Four Corners episode, um, which looks into who knew what in the Brittany Higgins yeah saga in terms of like the Prime Minister's office, and I think that will be explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to content on that in the future, but obviously we're posting it, bef- we're recording before this occurs, and we find out more information on this saga. Go to our Instagram. Yeah. There's oh. a, I went to a social event and there were some things that I observed that I would categorize as racist, mm. racism, racist comments. You could probably, um, some people would argue and say that they were microaggressions, but I would say they were racist. And it was also towards a specific Asian group. And I think like, particularly in the light of mm. um, the- Atlanta yeah. shooting. Yes. Um, so anyway, basically I was there and I was like, not having it, mm. <laughs> but it was also a situation where I didn't feel comfortable making any comments. Um, I, I wish that I had, but I just felt that I couldn't. And I probably, you know, arguably I should have definitely, I should have, but I, I was just in the position where I was like, I don't feel like I'm, it's going to go well if yeah. I do anyway. And then when I came away from it, the person who like connected me to these other people was very defensive in when I was saying like, you know, that's racist. These are microaggressions. And I think the reason is because they wanted to stand up for the people who had made the comments. And I think that that is something that is like really dividing us because I think, um, to admit i think the problem is and because i believe that all of this like any type of harassment assault rape of women comes from deep-seated sexism Mm. or misogyny whatever you want to call it um and i think that people don't want to categorize it as such because these are loaded words like if you're a sexist if you're a racist that's a very loaded word and people think that you know 
to be sexist is like you you hate women actively and you beat them mm. and you're you know probably an in, in, incel and you're like running them over with a a van but i think that we need to understand that these small microaggressions these small behaviors that are you know perhaps on paper harmless by some people's categorization i don't believe they're harmless um but you know say if two like white people say something to each other that is you know something that's based on a stereotype of a specific race we don't we hesitate to categorize that as racism it's like oh well they don't hate them it's just a stereotype and you know maybe they work with some people who are mm. of this race and they fit into the stereotype but i just think that and i think that that's the whole problem is particularly when we're talking about men who have friends who do fucked up things to women they're like well oh no he, but that's a bit of a strong word like he's not a misogynist no he doesn't he likes women I'm like well why does he harass them then and i actually don't think that like i think we need to broaden and not be afraid of using those words because when you you start saying like racist sexist people are just like whoa 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 yeah that and i think that it's because there's part of i mean i think that even i would say all people have unless they've actively worked on it have some internalized misogyny or internalized sexism probably all white people have some internalized racism unless they have and continue to actively work on it because that's... I don't think it's ever possible to escape it. I don't think so either. And I think I that... I we should be striving to as much as we can, but especially, like, I think that we can escape it in future generations, but I think yes. at this point, like, there's we, an yeah. inherent lean towards white supremacy no matter... Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's the society that we've lived in. I think that we need to stop being afraid of the word and actually... Because I think that people hesitate to point out like that sexist behavior because mm. they they think that it's fine because they're probably something that they thought or did you know x number of years ago yesterday last week or something that they thought towards a certain group of people that was equivalent to something that their friend has said out loud and so they think well i'm not going to call him racist because then i'm racist and i don't want to be racist because that's because i'm not racist it's because they don't want to be held accountable they don't want to admit they want, don't want to be like this yucky word but they still want to do whatever the fuck they want it just comes back and this this quote is like so overused and i think i said it in a podcast like the other day but what is it oh, i've forgotten <laughs> equality to the privileged feels like oppression yes we said it this other week yeah equality to the privileged feels like oppression is yes. what you said yeah. yeah and that's absolutely right because the thing is is that in order for us to achieve gender equality, in order for us to achieve racial equality, which is a long road ahead, mm -hmm. people who are white mm. and men mm -hmm. have to lose things. Yeah. So in, for them, it feels like oppression. It is oppression. Yeah. Because you have to give up things that you've obtained through the oppression of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. exactly. And I used to have, again, like this is another thing I used to have a bit more um, tolerance for. I was like, I can understand how they would think that. I mean, like there are so many white men in politics and everywhere who i'm like there's you aren't the best person for the job okay no. like i'm sure there are many 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 people of you know every demographic who could do that job and i think i've said this on the podcast as well i do not believe that there is one person for every job like no way no way like you can and this is another thing people I get think upset about exactly people get upset about you know um workplace quotas and blah 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 because like well it's not that she, you know maybe she's not the best person for the job she just got the job because she's a woman like maybe these two people were equally as good for the job yeah. and they went with the woman because they want to boost their 
I think in terms of workplace culture and diversity, it actually adds more to the business or the organization exactly. to have a more diverse audience and, and a range of opinions. Exactly. So well, yeah, my, on paper, they're yeah. the same. Exactly. Um, my sister actually spoke to someone who she knows like through people um, and he recently did not get a job and it was given to a woman of color. And so he was like, well, it's just a diversity hire, blah, 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 blah. And so he was like, oh, that's good. Don't you think that's good? And he's just like, no. I would have been like... Because he's lost something. Exactly. But the thing is, is that it's because they've never lost something before. Exactly. And that's what makes me so angry. But it also makes me understand where they're coming from. But I'm also tired of understanding. You know what I constantly think about in terms of quotas and representation and things is I am really ready for the day that there are more women in parliament in Australia than men. And I think it will happen while we're alive. Yeah. I think there will be, you know, 55% women at some point mm-hmm. and I cannot wait to hear <laughs> men say that it's inequality. They will. Yeah, they will. They'll say that's you want a gender equality and now you want like female supremacy. Yeah. That's what it'll be. Yeah. And it'll be this whole framing. And it's like, uh, but what will happen then? What will we do? <laughs> I'm really interested to see how we have to respond to that. Yeah. Because for centuries, for all of human history, mm-hmm. it's been men exactly. dominating. So when we take over mm-hmm. and by that i just mean you know have an extra one female mp elected in federal parliament or an, like the cabinet is just one more female because she's yeah. more qualified yeah what will they say and how will we respond because like i i'm just really interested because that will happen well i guess the argument now is that because those men who will make this a, a point but truly believe that right now the people who are there are the best for the job. So they truly believe that there are more men who are better for the job. So would, so would we not just say, well, you know, they're better for the job, obviously. It's really interesting to me to think about those sorts of viewpoints as well, because I think that a lot of what they think is like, well, I'm the most qualified person for the position mm. and that's not gender inequality, but it's just work. The reason that I want to ho- like, um, hold members of for parliament, members of parliament, to a higher standard is because I think, well, you need to acknowledge beyond what you, beyond the average person, mm-hmm. how you got here. Yeah. Because you're in a position of power. Yeah. And you have the ability to make serious change. Exactly. So I know that you're at like the rule of law. Yes, 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 yes. But I actually think that there's a higher standard and a higher order to answer to mm-hmm. because you affect more people. Yeah. Exactly. And I actually put a poll up on my huge Instagram following of 143 (laughs) people about whether we should hold um, elected officials to the same or higher standards. Mm. And it was overwhelmingly higher standards. I think only one person or two said that we should hold them to the same standards as everyday people. Mm. Um, And I, I believe that we should absolutely hold them to higher standards. Like they're not, they're supposed to be representing us as the public so they should have our interests in mind but i just i think that like they've been selected to represent us and that means something like you can't you know get away with like doing i mean very small example if you are you know a christian porter or a scott morrison unfortunately you cannot go out to a bar and get plastered Mm -hmm. and do just even if you're just being a general pest or just like like that guy who when you're out and you're just like that guy is just so embarrassing like you can't do that anymore but the thing is is that that's not a new standard no you can't have um public servants like 
medical practitioners yeah. who you know work in hospitals and health services mm-hmm. you can't have teachers yeah going out on weekends and flirting with younger people exactly. and getting obscenely drunk and abusing you know members of staff at bars yeah you can't have that because you are um a sort of protector mm-hmm. or you are someone who offers services to the public yeah and you are someone who you know is allowed to perform um high-risk operations yeah you are someone who deals with children every day mm-hmm. and you are held to a higher standard and can be reported yes because of your conduct yeah, and it's exactly. not illegal conduct necessarily mm. but it's unacceptable conduct yeah it's inappropriate conduct mm-hmm. and because you've elected to have that role you should be held to a higher standard because your attitude and behavior and actions affect yeah. the public more than someone who like me sits in an office all day exactly and also it's not like you get surprised with this when you become a teacher politician no. medical professor. like you know when you were you know going to uni for that job or running your campaign you you know that you can't do that stuff anymore yeah it's just it's simply not acceptable yeah. but i think that probably there would be people in those positions who think that that's unfair ridiculous why did you take it on Exactly. You didn't have to have that responsibility. Exactly. Well, that's just like, again, like men who do like things that are maybe iffy when they're young because they read on Reddit that this way is, this is how you pick up a girl. And then they do something that's like, you know, harassment Mm. or just like generally icky behavior, um, wherever the line may be. And then they turn around and they're like well she's a bitch and she why didn't she talk to me i deserve to have blah 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 which is how how incels are born and i think that part of that comes back to like i was was speaking earlier about i was um i've been reading malcolm turnbull's autobiography and there obviously there was a famous like the bonk ban Mm. which is when um malcolm kind of brought in this sort of rule that members of parliament or any like ministerial staff that are high up should not be having sexual relations or romantic relationships or any inappropriate relationships with staffers in Mm -hmm. their offices um and i think it was really interesting because one of the ways he put it was like it's really difficult because you know the work that parliamentarians do is actually conducive to that sort of conduct because you're working really long hours really far away from your home Mm -hmm. a lot of travel a lot of time spent with these people especially around campaigns so like you'd fly to canberra from your home state Mm -hmm. every week you're there for so long like you're spending so much intimate time with these people that you work with Mm -hmm. so obviously it's like it's going to facilitate some of these relationships yeah but quite and it's like not illegal to have an affair Mm. it's not illegal to have sex with someone that you work with yeah um but in terms of the actual nature of the job you cannot have the power imbalance of especially someone who works in government Mm -hmm. in parliament to be having a romantic relationship or a love affair or anything with a younger staffer because it creates an such a disruptive and really really concerning power imbalance between the staffer and their boss because it is their boss like yeah i think that it's not illegal but it's certainly not okay yeah and it it facilitates like there's there's a i mean i'm not sure about the power imbalance and say like the britney higgins allegation like i'm not sure how high up the staffer and things were Mm -hmm. but i think that regardless like it creates such a threatening environment for that person reporting mm-hmm. or doing anything. Yeah. So having a ban on that, it's not like about legality necessarily, but it's about protecting the staffers yeah. in their roles. Yeah. Um, and 
I think it's interesting because it's like a lot of people throw their hands in the air and say like, oh, but it's not illegal to do those things. Well, it's not right. It doesn't make it right. Yeah, exactly. Like our morals aren't based on legislation. Yeah. And at the end of the day, again, like this is such a, this is like, I always say this is the boomer argument, but it's like we pay their salary. Mm. So are we paying their salary so that they can take advantage of their, you know, in some cases, allegedly, blah, blah potentially take advantage of their power Mm. and use it to manipulate or coerce a younger staffer, which, you know, I'm sure happens a lot, um, definitely has the potential for happening. And the other thing is, if it all goes sour, like who's going to wear the consequences? Always going to be the staffer because the the member or the more senior person is going to be protected. Absolutely. And I think one of those things is like, inevitably it will go sour and i i think it's hard because i don't want to take agency away from the younger person mm. because i'm 22 years old and i was very interested in working in an office for a minister or a member yeah. of parliament or anyone and so i think about those roles though and i think it, it comes back to like monica Lewinsky. yeah like those sorts of situations like um and i'm sorry mom you're gonna get brought into this again but <laughs> a couple of weeks ago i was messaging my mom and we there was something that came up about bill clinton and monica Lewinsky because that's just my mom and i classic monday chats yeah. on facebook <laughs> and she said oh, mom i don't know why you did this you're so silly she said to me um she should have known better and i thought the president should have known better that's the thing he was in, probably in his 50s at the time. Yeah. She was 22. Because my point to my mum was, I didn't realise that Monica Lewinsky was my age yeah. when it happened. Mm-hmm. And mum said she should have known better. And I think what my mum was trying to say was, well, knowing you, Hannah, like yeah. the same age, she should have known better. Mm-hmm. One, I don't think that's a fair comparison. No. We don't know what her capacity is. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm like, like brilliant, mm-hmm. mature, because I'm not. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I don't know what I would have done. But... The thing is, is that also Monica, she did, a, it was an excellent TED talk a few years ago on um, sort of being, this is often tangent, I guess a bit, but it's a good example, um, being like case one of like internet hate because mm. the internet was kind of taking off when it happened. And she was one of the first people that wasn't just, you know, on TV and newspapers, it yeah. was online mm-hmm. and it really took off. And she was like one of the most hated people or one of the most sort of um publicly commented on yeah um sort of controversies at the time Mm -hmm. and the thing was is that i just wonder like why did the onus fall on her and her agency in that situation especially in the conversation with my mum, i was just so surprised because Mm -hmm. i thought like why would you why did you think it was her fault yeah is it because she performed is is it because it was not sex but it was oral sex yeah like i think about those things too i'm like what is that why you think it was her doing that to him Mm -hmm. i don't understand that but i think the thing is is like i don't want to take agency away from young women um, in their sexual relationships, because yeah. I think that we're, especially now, so empowered mm-hmm. in the decisions we make. But I think there is something inherently off about an older man in a public, prominent, very visible position yeah. um, who is in newspapers, who has a reputation to uphold, mm-hmm. having any sort of sexual relationship or romantic relationship with a young woman. Because yeah. the thing is, is that I already think about myself a few years ago and I think how much I've changed, how much less I accept now. Yeah. And I can't even imagine the difference between now and in three years and in three years after that and in three years after that, what I'll be like. Well, even when it's not about sex, so I'm, I'm 27, so five years older than, than she was. Um, and have been working in a professional job for quite a number of years. And I've had, I've had instances where my bosses, my managers who are just a couple of years older than me have 
said something that in everyday life I would have been like, that is fucked up. Mm. Like, no, you cannot manipulate me like that. Yeah. But in a work situation, I'm like, well, they're the boss. Like, what like, do what I am I supposed to, to do? Exactly. Who's here to protect me if I, you know, don't do something that they've asked me to do or if I've, you know, done something that has crossed a line in their books, but I don't think it's – I still think I'm in the right – like, what am I supposed to do? I just go along with it. Because people, like, even HR, like, HR's not there to protect you. It's there to protect the company. So I don't... So true. That's honestly so true. Because the sell for HR is, like, we help you. That's not it. No. They're not the union of your company. No, exactly. I would... I don't think I would ever go to HR about anything, frankly. Neither. Um, but it's just, yeah, so it's even, like, beyond sexual. It's even... Even if she was older, it's still... The power imbalance is still there. And if you had the president the prime minister come up to you and you know request something then it'd be a pretty difficult and also she's going to know like who do you think is going to come out better in this situation if she said no he could go and say whatever he, he could go to the press tomorrow and be like monica Lewinsky came on to me and tried to do blah 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 and this is really wrong because i have a wife and you know, this is hypothetical by the way um no. You don't know the outcome of your exactly, career, especially yeah. at 22. Exactly. But they also, can do whatever they want. And, like, something that she made really clear in the TED Talk, obviously this is part of the situation, is, like, she was like, I was in love with him. Yeah. Like, she thought she was facilitating, like, a loving relationship. Oh, God. Which mm-hmm. is sort of sad. Like, I don't think I would think that. Mm. No. it also, But it also shows that there was, like, vulnerabilities there that and I'm there sure was he a, knew about. There was some sort of a relationship where they yeah. had chat yes exactly surrounding the situation she had opportunity to fall in love with him this is the thing and i mean that might be because she was you know working as an intern for the most powerful man in the world arguably yeah Yeah. but it's really difficult because you're absolutely right when someone at work makes a really uncomment even someone that's not my boss Mm. someone that's just seeing it to me makes a really gross or questionable comment yeah i don't know what to do with myself Mm. i look away laugh just leave the room, go to the toilet, just yeah. put my headphones on. I don't know. I get so on, uh, but I'm the person that in everyday life would respond. Yeah. If same. someone did something to me in the street or said something, I would turn around and do something. Mm-hmm. But in a workplace, especially in this climate, I'm not going to just turn around and get another job. I'm also a young woman yeah. who's just graduated. There's not really that. This is the other thing. It's like when you're starting out, especially I think that the, the older you get, also the more powerful you get in Mm -hmm. terms of especially for a woman like if i was in my mid-30s i'd expect to be in a position where i could turn around and say no fuck off yeah or i'll do this this and this Mm -hmm. but right now where is that there's no weight to throw around yeah exactly they have the weight to throw around and they do yeah for sure i remember um and i'm trying to think what situation this happened in because i really can't remember if it was like professional or like personal but i remember um i so there was some type of conversation going on and like a man who was there i wish i could remember the situation um was you know talking about something and i just said because i had recently decided the best way to tackle these things is to kind of treat it like a joke Mm. but also play dumb a little bit and and i was like don't you think that's a bit sexist Mm. and he got so awkward and literally just like turned around to his computer and just like yeah maybe it wasn't working now yeah and it was just like oh my god oh my god i can't do this and it was just like ignored and then i was the one who i mean i didn't feel awkward in the situation because i was like good i did think it was sexist but it's such a difficult 
it's very difficult to actually be the person who's like, oh, actually, I don't think that's very funny or like, I think you've crossed the line or blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't even, it wasn't even about me. It was just like, you know, bringing attention to a behavior that I didn't think was right. Yeah. And I think, and I did say it as a joke and it was still like. Taken so. Yeah. Like, I'm remembering. Like, like you had caused the offense. Exactly. I remember it was in, it was in a work situation and it was like all pretty young people as well. So it wasn't even, you know, I wasn't calling out someone who was, you know, decades older than me. Um, it wasn't like anyone senior to me and it wasn't specifically about something that he had done. It mm-hmm. was just like a kind of a line of conversation. And I decided like, no, these are the types of things that I, re- I would like to call out in the workplace. And it was also something that I felt comfortable that I'm like, I think I can kind of in quotes, get away with this mm. without it becoming this huge thing. And I can just like point it out and probably he won't do it again because I liked, I liked him. He was a nice guy. I don't think he was intentionally trying to cause offense, but I think it was just something that I was just like, you know, I think if I make this comment, he won't say things like that again. And he'll think about what was wrong with it you and knew there was leverage there exactly but it still caused an awkward si- like situation for me and so you it's put yourself out and it's, exactly. it's actually exhausting yeah it is it is in that situation i was like it's worth it but after i did it, i was like oh my god i wish i hadn't said that like it took me probably until the end of the week to be like no i said the right th- i did the right thing it's really hard isn't it you yeah like lie awake at night being like fuck yeah i did it was so nerve-wracking i was mm. like oh my god like what if it comes up again uh and then i think about the things that men say i'm like they didn't even bat an eyelid no they're moving through the world saying oh, and the more that they say these things and get away with it the more that they feel comfortable pushing and pushing and pushing the boundaries yeah exactly until they're making overt sexual comments yeah yeah and then i say oh um and I lie awake at night like, oh my God, I yeah. didn't react appropriately to their fucking awful comment. Exactly. You know, like my response, my defense of, you know, fundamental rights and equality. <laughs> oh no, what's <laughs> going to happen to me? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Just... And this is just making like small comments about like, you know, inappropriate jokes. Do you ever think about how long we spend during the day and at night and sort of reflecting on these situations? Yes. Like... I sometimes think about something that happened, you know, where a guy said something awful to my friend and I, you know, got up him and like active, like I think about those things and stress myself out about them sometimes. Or Mm. I think about comments that were made between a male colleague and me. And I think about these things and I stress out about these situations. Like each day I think of one of these things. Yeah. Something comes to my brain and I stress out over it for, and I think, how much less time? Even even the fact that the the sheer fact that like I'm a woman, mm-hmm. sometimes I like I I have I do believe I have serious imposter syndrome in that I really second guess my capacity and my ability to do jobs in the workplace all mm-hmm. the time, and I will spend probably another couple of years feeling like that mm-hmm. in workplaces. Yeah, um, where I just I doubt myself. I don't believe I should be in that role. I don't be like, I'm capable. And then I think about men that are even half as qualified and smart as me. Mm. And they're so confident and blase about the way that they approach work and life and things. And I think about all the things they say and they don't even bat an eyelid. They don't even consider the, you know, the offense cause the controversial aspect of what they're commenting on. Mm -hmm. And I think like, sometimes I lie awake at night and think about how I can't run for politics because of, you know, what I put on Facebook when I was in year seven. Yeah. And then I think, a man has never thought about these things. No. There are men who have, not not speaking about any people in particular, but there are men who have raped people and then gone on to 
lead a very successful life. They don't even know they've raped someone. They either don't know or they just don't think it's relevant. They don't care. They've never, they probably never thought about it again. My question, I think to a lot of, um, I think this comes, this ties back to what we said at the very start when you were saying like these men know it's wrong. Mm. My question is, is that like in how many cases do they actually know it's wrong? And in how many cases are they so, um, self-assured that they think that the other person enjoyed it? How close off are we to the body language of others? I'm constantly reading, you know, a furrow in someone's eyebrow. And if they hate me based on, you know, a twitch <laughs> of their eyelid. Yeah. And then I think about people that just don't even consider mm. like social behavior. Yeah. But then again, you know, I, I saw a tweet essay that like literally crushed my soul where this woman was like, I love how like we think that it has to be like, you know, did you say no was is mm. a question in a lot of sexual assault and violence cases. This woman was like, I was crying and he didn't notice. And it's like, well, how could you not notice that? You know, he doesn't care. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, do they really not? I, I just don't understand how much it's about their immediate pleasure and um, how much they consider the other person's needs. I yeah. don't know. Is it because we're women that we've been taught to care and give a fuck about the needs of everyone before ourselves in these situations? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I truly don't know anymore. And obviously this is a person-to-person thing and I'm not going to blanket say men don't give a fuck about the woman that accepts it. I understand <laughs> that's not true. But in these situations, I think, what is it about, like, what's the percentile of people that know they're doing something wrong, mm-hmm. don't care, aren't aware, yeah. or are so self-assured that they convince the other person would fundamentally enjoy it because they're enjoying it. Like, where, where are those sort of boundaries? But most of those men don't care if the, person, the other person is enjoying it. But then I think that some of them are so self-assured that they're good at these things and that they can score and they can hook up and they can fuck. Yeah. That they are convinced the other person is enjoying it, even though they don't have the capacity to... No I just don't, don't think they think about it. I think... Like, it's not relevant to them. No, I actually think in more cases than that, it's that they think that, of course, the other person would fundamentally think it's good. Oh, I just don't think... I My opinion is that they don't go into those situations thinking about what the other person is feeling. Really? Like, it just doesn't cross their mind. It's just about them. No, see, I think more men are um, convinced that they're, like, gods. A stud. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, growing up with, like, porn would do that to a man. But, yeah, I actually, I don't, I disagree on that point. But there's no way we but could with, prove I that, that's thing, I don't know enough, I don't personally interview enough rapists to know. <laughs> I actually saw a, um, the um, Guys We Fucked podcast. Mm. They do this, like, small YouTube series, and, and they're comedians and they're podcasters. Um, and one of them said in a, uh, in a YouTube video, she was like, she was like, well, I think um, it's just people seem to forget that to have sex, like both people want to have to do it. That's kind of the whole point. Mm. And I was like, that's a very simple way to explain. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like so complex, apparently, because people. Yeah, it's not it's not hard to figure out. But these men alleged like allege that they can't figure it out, that they don't know that she was into it. They don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, that's unacceptable to me. Like you knew you knew. I guess it comes down to agency again, because I feel like being saying, you know, oh, well, we need to um, educate them because they're, you know, picking up, they're getting sex ed from porn and that's not good. Obviously, it's not good. But I think that it's like we need to stop treating men like idiots who have one brain cell that's attached to their testosterone. Like it's to me, that's 
not doing anyone ever any favors to say that men are not capable of understanding whether or not they're doing something wrong yeah i completely agree with that i completely agree with that because i think that's a really fundamental part of the problem exactly is that we put men into um leadership positions how many more times do we put women into them? And exactly. then we also undermine their capacity to understand whether someone's consenting. Yes, you're so right. And at the end of the day, I'm sure that a lot of men who believe that raping people is wrong would agree with that statement as well. I don't think that's particularly controversial. Mm. And if, if men disagree with that statement, then that is such a red flag. It's like, oh, so you don't want to be held accountable for the bad things that you do, but you want to get the praise for the good stuff you do. You can't have it both ways. And it's like tough. Um, I don't know why I felt this sort of weird emotion about this, but um, did you see on the news that the um, captain of BBC, Brisbane Boys College, it was the captain coming out and he gave a speech to oh, yes, the I whole did. school about mm-hmm. like stepping up their culture sort of thing. And mm-hmm. like he was all over the paper and Mm. I was like why do I feel bad about this Mm -hmm. and I think it's because I'm like I'm fundamentally pleased and proud of this kid because it must be hard to get up in front of like all the boys yeah like 1500 boys and deliver that sort of message Mm -hmm. but I think I'm just like wow a guy gets up and says don't rape and he's like on the front of the abc news i'm just like oh my god but again i'm like i'm 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 proud of him i'll really like to chat to him and be like you've done a good thing yeah you've done like one small step for mankind you know what i mean like (laughs) yes one giant leap for private boys when a hundred thousand women marched last week or a hundred thousand people marched last week Mm -hmm. and oh you're lucky you didn't get shot basically yeah literally and then one guy gets up and he's on the, and is and every comment on the mama must be so proud was like every oh comment. ew so the thing about this is i think like good for him as an individual mm. and the negative things that i have to him. say have nothing to do with him specifically it's mm. more about the response to him because he did a good thing on his own like you yeah know, in a vacuum did. but then the way that you know the media and the public are responding yeah. exactly it's just like well like he saved the day and then this, and you know what? The same people that are commenting, you know, you must be so proud, mum, mm-hmm. are the same people that are commenting on Brittany Higgins's article, articles yeah. about her claim, like, well, she shouldn't have got intoxicated. Exactly. Someone commented, like, ew, having sex in Parliament House. Oh my god! Like, it's not sex. It's not sex. I just think that also this, like, oh, your mum must be so proud is so belittling as well. It is. It's like, it's not, I don't think you And it matters because it. you have a mum in your life and a female. Exactly. She must be so proud that you wouldn't rape another girl. Exactly. Oh wow. If you found us just totally relatable and quirky, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, head to cheekmedia.com.au to tide you over until then. Bye.